The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about Sports is Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack presents Irish Tales with Chuck Freebie and Bob Nagel. Stories from the land of the fighting Irish on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Irish Tales. Chuck Freebie with the tale master himself, Bob Nagel. And the old Hollywood films used to have somebody shout, Get the understudy. Well, the football <laughs> equivalent of that is the backup quarterback. And Notre Dame will be using its backup quarterback coming up in the Gator Bowl on December 30th against South Carolina. But let's face it, in the first time that the Irish have had to turn to the number two guy to try to get the job done, either for a short period of time or for a longer period of time. And so we thought we might recount some of the days gone by of Backup quarterbacks and their importance to the squad. Well, and you talk to people now about Tyler Buckner getting a chance to come back this year and and play, and uh, you know, on a team that finished eight and four, it's not a bad place to get into. But somebody said, okay, you're talking about Buckner coming back and playing. Who's going to fill in for Michael Mayer? Who's you know, right. I mean, we're going to have three or four guys that aren't going to play, and I don't blame them because things have changed so much over the years, and of course we've seen uh, devastating injuries come when you decide to play for your team. But um, there's a lot of people going to have to uh, step up, as we saw a couple of years ago in the in the bowl game when we lost our top running back to the NFL draft. And so uh, it's it's part of the game today, uh, maybe more than it was before. Obviously, when we weren't playing in bowl games, it didn't make any difference. The season was over. Right. Guys had gone home for the holidays and that type of thing. But uh, it, is, it is something that's happened in the past. Well, and – just to follow your tangent one more step, and then we'll get back to the main course here. Uh, somebody had asked, who do you think is most important loss of the of these three? Michael Mayer, Drew Pine, or Isaiah Foskey for the bowl game? And normally I think most people would go with the quarterback, but I think the way Notre Dame's offense runs, I think they'll miss Michael Mayer more than they will Drew Pine. Yeah, who became Notre Dame's best blocker? This season, it was Michael Mayer. Boy, when he lined up outside the tackle and it would come back and, and close down on the other team's uh, defensive tackle, created some huge holes. He did a great job, and uh, I can't wait to see where he goes in the NFL draft because, number one, Notre Dame tight ends have done great over the years, sure. not only in the draft but in the pros. League is full of them still. They still are, and uh, so we wish him the best. And I, and I love what Marcus Freeman said. Uh, somebody asked him yesterday in a press conference, you know, what do you say to these guys that are leaving the program? And he said, thank you. They all bought in. They made it a very successful first season. And, and they're Notre Dame men forever. And, uh, and so we wish them all the best. But back to the role of the backup quarterback. And, well, I'm not going to break any news here. You're a little bit older than I am. <laughs> However, um, if you go back to the 40s, really, the fact that uh, – 
And I always kind of flip-flop him, but I believe Bertelli was called to the armed forces. Right. And somebody had to fill in for him. Yeah. I think Frank Trapuca was in that era, and Frank came in and played tremendously well. And a lot of people, when they talk about the Greek quarterbacks and the Heisman Trophy winners, and they said, well, Frank Trapuca should have been one of those guys. And when you think about Frank Trapuca when he took over, a lot of guys had gone off to war. Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame was playing with uh, uh, some people that weren't maybe the the top players in the program, but then other schools lost their top players too. So it was all relative, but Frank Trapuca gave a, gave a great contribution to Notre Dame football during those years. And, of course, he is also known as the father of Notre Dame basketball legend Kelly Trapuca. Yeah, well, Kelly will give him a bump once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, matter of fact, they had a lot of good athletes in that Trapuca family. But uh, yeah, when you look at the history, and you know, a lot of times it can be because of injury. You know, you get into that first quarter of a game, and somebody gets banged up. And uh, of course, the, one of the greatest backup experiences at Notre Dame in history was Coley O'Brien filling in for Terry Hanratty, who had. Uh, sprained his ankle getting off a train on the way up to Michigan State. This would be 1966. 1966. You're undefeated. You're playing Michigan State. You're playing for, theoretically, a national championship. And uh, a lot of people call it the greatest game ever. And Coley O'Brien was a type 1 diabetic. And that was always a concern because whenever he would come off the field, the trainer would check with him, how you feeling? And sometimes it was a glass of orange juice or or something to eat, and uh, they got him through the game, and he did a tremendous job. And he was uh, he was just one of those great stories at Notre Dame who, you know, somebody stepped up, did a great thing in, uh, in that situation. Then, of course, he went on to uh, help the Irish uh, slip past Southern Cal the following week, 51 to nothing. Well, and O'Brien had – that's how he is remembered is as a national championship backup quarterback but that's what you're asking your backup to do many times is to basically take the role of a baseball pinch hitter you never know when you're going to be called off the bench to uh, fill in and for Coley O'Brien the the games that he filled in were memorable games and he was up to the task you did a great job and of course the same trip up there to Michigan State Nick Eddy wasn't able to play so who are we going to get Oh, we've got a kid named Bob Gladjo. Well, how's he going to figure? Well, we're just going to have him block and run the ball. Catches the only touchdown pass in the game, which, again, is one of those things, you know, you see a guy pointing him out and you say, that's Bob Gladjo, and they go, who's that? It's the guy that helped uh, tie the game against Michigan State. So uh, a lot of people had to step up on that trip, and, of course, uh, that's why we we don't take trains anymore. No, that's uh, – <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles. We've told the story of Joe Montana before as well, and the fact that he almost left the Irish football program to become part of the Irish basketball program. But Joe Montana, even throughout his career, 75 and 77, considered a backup quarterback, wasn't really handed the starting role until midway through the 77 season. But in 75... I think the comeback wins that he was able to engineer for Notre Dame are almost as legendary as anything else that he did the rest of his career. Yeah, you think about the game at Purdue when uh, Gary Forstick had come in in relief of Rusty Lish. Well, that one was 77. I'm sorry, 77, yeah. Yeah, but North Carolina and Air Force were both in, in 75 and both on the road. And Montana comes off the bench in both of those 
to rescue the Irish. And a lot of people sit around and wonder, well, after he did that, why wasn't he the starting quarterback? But sometimes it does take some time for that to happen. You look at Clemson this year with DJ Uyangalale and Cole Klubik, and Klubik rescued the Tigers a couple of times, but he wasn't handed the starting job until going into the Orange Bowl now. And Montana, even though he came off the bench a couple of times in 75 and rescued them, didn't even sniff the field in 76. No, when Joe came in, freshman couldn't play. So he came in under Eric Parsegian, and then uh, Dan Devine took over. And Dan was a pro coach at that time. He'd come from the Green Bay Packers, and they have rules in the pros. You can't throw the ball late down the middle deep. You just can't because those guys get paid to intercept the ball. Well, in college, and as Lou Holtz used to point out, okay, this guy's going to play on Sunday, and this guy's going to play on Sunday. These two aren't. Why not? And that's where you find your weakness and that's where you attack. And that's what Joe Montana was able to do. Even in uh, practice, Dan Devine was adamant about You can't do that, Joe. You can't do that. So Joe got into a game situation, and he did it. Now, he had a tremendous arm. He had a, a tremendous amount of uh, self-confidence in, in what he could do. But uh, that was one of the reasons, because in practice, he did things you, you're not supposed to do. And he did that with the 49ers when he first got there and Bill Walsh. Got him straightened out pretty quick, but uh, Joe was very talented, and uh, just that really bothered him, especially seventy-five after those two great comebacks, and he's he's not getting a sniff at being the starter. And seventy-six, of course, uh, didn't play. Seventy-seven brings you up to the Purdue game. It does, and uh, I remember sitting in the stands down there. Uh, Rusty Lish had been intercepted four times in the first half. Purdue was running what was called a junk dog defense, and it was basically a big wheel. The defensive end would come in, the corner would go over, the safety would come over, and it would wheel you toward the sidelines either way you're going, hoping you know that they would uh, eventually get you. And uh, so that pass that we threw with Rusty Lish was intercepted because they rolled right into it. And then uh, for the second half, they decided to bring in Gary Forstick. Uh, again, a quality player, strong arm, big kid. And uh, he got hit. Fred Arrington put his helmet right in the middle of his collarbone, clavicle, broke everything. And it took him probably almost a half hour to get him off the field. Ambulance had to come onto the field. Yeah, and it was. And, and I'm told that the coaches on the sidelines, you know, Coach Devine turned around and said, uh, Rusty, warm up. And a couple of guys went to him and said, let's put Montana in there. And uh, so when Joe got a chance to come in, uh, he made some, you know, and and talked to Joe about it the following day, and he said, you know, the, the old plays that you run in the street, go to the Volkswagen and turn left, and I'll hit you right at the manhole cover. And frequently Ken McAfee was at the manhole cover. <laughs> yeah, he did that, uh, and he went right down the field. And after two of those plays, I remember McAfee had told Joe, he said, uh, which way do you want me to go now? And he said, just curl. He said, well, they have that covered. He said, I'm not throwing you. <laughs> <laughs> so he threw it to Chris Haynes on the sidelines for a, a chair route touchdown, and uh, and Joe just had that ability to do that. And he was such a, a great leader in that after they lost to Mississippi mm-hmm. early in that season, the guys got together and, they, you know, we can complain about play calling, coaching, all that, but we don't get to come back. This is it. And so they really got focused. They really uh, uh, put it together, got down to the uh, final game. And, uh, well, Notre Dame had a good season. Let's put them against number one Texas. And 
you know, and, and let them go away. And, uh, of course, they uh, had a great game against Texas. And Lou Holt claims that that's one of the national championships that he won for Notre Dame because his Arkansas Razorbacks beat Oklahoma, who it right. figured would be the number one team. And uh, we jumped from five to one. Can that even happen again? No. No, it can't. <laughs> uh, at least not right now because if you're number five, you're not in the playoffs. Right. That'll change. But uh, for this year, no, it can't happen. Now, there are the arguments, too, that sometimes the backup quarterback and the number one quarterback are too close together. And that's one of the problems Jerry Faust had when he first came to Notre Dame is he either couldn't or didn't want to make a decision between Blair Keel and Scott Grooms. And some people say when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And it sure seemed that way for a while for the Irish. Yeah, and they were both good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry wanted everybody at Notre Dame to have the Notre Dame experience. He didn't want to take a senior or a junior and say, hey, I'm going to go with my freshman or sophomore and it's going to curtail your career here at Notre Dame. He didn't want to do that. He wanted everybody to have their experience. And so when it came time to make a tough decision between those two quarterbacks, it was tough on Jerry because no matter which one you choose, the other one's going to be you know, on the sidelines. And so uh, they they competed. They made each other better, I thought. And uh, had great respect for one another. But, uh, again, uh, Blair Keel winds up playing the most, winds up playing in the pros. Mm-hmm. Um, had a tremendous game. i never forget the game against Pittsburgh. You know, you're playing number one Pittsburgh at their place. 1982. 82. And, uh, man, they, I loved the screen pass to Alan Pinkett right in the middle of the field late in the game. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Everybody always tries to throw the sidelines to stop the clock, and we threw it right down the middle. Great play call, and uh, Irish wind up winning a game against a very talented team with the Dan Marino, I believe it was. We inadvertently, by the way, skipped over uh, a backup quarterback who has a place in Notre Dame lore. 1980, the backup quarterback for the Irish was Tim Cagle. He wasn't recognized for anything that he did as a quarterback, but he was a holder for one of the more famous kicks in Irish. Is that Harry Oliver lining yes. up? Yeah, Tim Cagle, you know, uh, the, the matter of fact, out of the three people that were involved in that, the center, the holder, and the kicker, Tim's the only one left. And uh, mm-hmm. and Tim uh, was, again, a quality backup, and he's uh, done tremendously well in the uh, Speaker's Bureau business. He's made a career off of one hole. That's right. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, he was there, and he was ready. He did the job, and uh, it takes so many things. You know, every day in practice, as you said earlier, uh, you never know. You know, if you're that you're that guy that might pinch hit in the eighth inning, you got to have a bat in your hand in the third inning, and you got to be thinking, you know, I could get in there. And uh, so Tim Cagle was one of those guys. And you know, one thing about all the backups that we talk about, they all made the starter better. Mm-hmm. They all pushed the starter in practice, and uh, and so uh, that was a that was a, a neat time for Tim Cagle certainly, and uh, and a memorable day. It's not always peaches and cream, though. I I think of the I believe it was the 1984 Irish. Uh, Steve Berline gets hurt against Air Force. And a kid by the name of Jim O'Hara right. comes into the game. Poor Jim O'Hara. <laughs> uh, just had a miserable day throwing the football. And that was part of when Fisher DeBerry won four straight at Air Force against Notre Dame. So... It's not always a Cinderella story for the backup, but 
Sometimes, too, the backup plays a different role. And and I think of a change-up quarterback that Notre Dame had that I don't think a lot of people remember, and that's a kid by the name of Paul Fela, right? who was a two-sport athlete, outstanding shortstop on the baseball team, but he was the backup quarterback on the football team. And Lou Holtz liked to use him as a red zone running option down by the goal line. Yeah, he came in a couple times, uh, matter of fact, after injuries, and uh, did a great job while he was in there. Uh, he also uh, uh, had some tremendous plays, uh, especially toward the end of games. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, you know another. Well, Paul Fela had made his mark at Notre Dame and uh, and was remembered well. I thought maybe if Paul had concentrated solely on football, mm-hmm. might have even done better. But uh, he was a very gifted athlete and played some time in the pros in baseball. I I think Lou was hoping that by giving him a package, he might woo him away from baseball, but that never happened. A a guy that's not really thought of as a backup, but he actually entered this particular season that way, was Kevin McDougal. So Kevin McDougal comes to Notre Dame, and he is recruited by Vinny Serrato, and he's the backup to Rick Meyer. And Kevin McDougal would later say, boy, I had no idea how good Rick Meyer was, or I might not have come to Notre Dame, because... (laughs) He was really good, and I understood why he was starting in front of me. But I had kind of served my time. 1993 comes. It's my senior year. I'm ready to go. Lou has brought in this freshman hotshot named Ron Paulus, and he's all set to start Ron Paulus. And then I think either the Saturday before the season or two Saturdays before the season, Ron Paulus racks up his shoulder in a scrimmage and is out for the year. Right. And now the job is Kevin McDougal's. So Kevin McDougal goes down as a starting quarterback, but he was a backup entering that year, and what a year he had. He did. I never forget being up at Michigan when he led the Irish to a big win over uh, a heavily favored Michigan team. And uh, after the game, you know, he scrambled a couple times and had big runs. And uh, somebody asked him, uh, you know, was that something you thought you could do? He goes, I didn't. And Lou Holtz said he had great fear speed. When you got big guys chasing you, it's amazing how fast you can run. Uh, Michael Miller was on that team. Yeah. Uh, they had they had a tremendous day. And Lake Dawson. Uh, Lake Dawson was on the team. The thing about Kevin McDougal that I remember the most, you know, he was a world-class bicycle rider. Now, BMX, I think is what it was referred to at that time. But he had won championships. He had traveled around the world. He, you know, he was really so when he was on the big stage. Yeah, it was new for him as far as college football, but it, something he could handle. And the thing I remember most about Kevin McDougal was he didn't make mistakes. He allowed the rest of the team to do their job. The offensive linemen did their job. Running backs did their job. He threw when he was supposed to throw. And uh, you know, you mentioned Lake Dawson. There's a couple of big catches there. He just uh, he he got it done, and uh, what a tremendous asset and a part of the great history of Notre Dame for a guy to be ready. And uh, of course, uh, the day that you know uh, the collarbone went for Ron Paulus was just devastating because he was you know all that and proved to be in the years to come. Well, I re- I remember that Holtz press conference. He looked like he was about ready to cry. Yeah, because he really thought that Ron. And, of course, by then, I think Beano Cook had already come out with the fact that this kid's going to win two Heismans at Notre Dame. I mean, there had been a lot of hype around Ron Paulus. I, I remember the day he signed with Notre Dame, we had a satellite truck at his house and did 
a, a satellite interview with a high school kid, which just wasn't done in the early 90s. Of course, now it's it's all over the place with recruiting. But um, Kevin McDougal, I think one of the more unheralded quarterbacks, and went on to have a nice career in the CFL, lives down in Florida now, and, mm-hmm. and uh, has, has a terrific life. You go forward, we we kind of get back to the to the end of the Ron Paulus era, and 1997. By then, he's got a new head coach in Bob Davey. The offense is a little bit different. Ron struggled his senior year, and Jarius Jackson is waiting in the wings, and again winds up splitting time with Paulus. Yeah, it was uh, Jarius Jackson had a great career as well and uh, played a lot of pro ball and but not as a quarterback as no, a wide receiver wide receiver uh, but uh yeah he you know he came in and uh w- i remember ron Paulus uh down in uh i think it was the uh citrus bowl when we played uh alabama Could no be. florida state florida, florida state, state and wanted to interview him after the game and the trainer said yeah you can talk to him but he's not there you know he got hit so many times in that game that he uh, he uh, suffered a concussion and uh, it was just a, a tough year for him as it was for everybody when you have a change in the program. Well, and and prior to that, when Holtz was still coaching, Paulus got he, he got hit pretty well during his days, and he got knocked out in the '95 season, and that's when the Irish went to the Orange Bowl and played Florida State, and Thomas Krug. Yeah, Tom Krug, Tom Krug. (laughs) And uh, Thomas Krug's claim to fame these days is he is the son-in-law of Dick Vitale. That's right, and a retired federal judge in Florida. Guy had a great career and uh, came from a unique situation, Los Gatos High School, California, where he had a coach who had ALS Mm. and actually coached the team by blowing into a tube and picking out the plays while his wife went down the list with him. And uh, so uh, Tom came in with a, a very unique background. And, like, if you have any ch- questions about toughness or challenge, you know, you've seen, you've grown up with it. So he uh, handled some things very well. But uh, he w- he came in, did a nice job, big, strong, strapping athlete. And then, of course, he got hurt uh, right before the bowl game. And uh, then uh, I had a friend, Mike Perona, who was a walk-on. And uh, they were getting him ready. He was going to be going into that game as probably the backup, if not number three. And uh, that's how uh, the quarterback ranks had diminished that year. So uh, he's talking about being ready. But uh, we've had other experiences with that same situation. Well, Pat Dillingham comes to mind. Ty Willingham's first year, 2002, the Irish are cruising along. They're 9-0. and uh, They donned the green jerseys to play Boston College. And Pat Dillingham, who had survived a couple of uh, near misses earlier in the season, uh, couldn't survive that day, and and it was kind of all downhill for Notre Dame after that point. Yeah, yeah. Pat's another one of those guys. You know, you you talk more about his academics, and you talk more about how he represented Notre Dame so well, and then you had to put him into a game. And uh, we at Notre Dame, we tend not to have three All American caliber quarterbacks lined up and uh, we're hoping to have that in the future which uh, is starting to look pretty good but uh, Pat Dillingham was another one of those guys that reminded me very much of a of a um, not a Blair Keel so much but he was 
wasn't oversized. He was right. a little undersized, mm-hmm. but execution, do what you're asked to do, when you're asked to do it, and uh, and and he got it done. Had won a game against Michigan State earlier in the year, uh, but that's also the the reason Pat Dillingham comes readily to mind these days is because that's the last time Notre Dame was in the Gator Bowl, and if you think about the quarterback matchup that day, it was Pat Dillingham versus Philip Rivers. <laughs> Well, 20 years of hindsight tells you you should have put the house on NC State that day. Well, and a, and they brought the house. They won it handily. They really did. And uh, he went on to have a great career in the pros as well. And uh, when you think about uh, all those names that, that come up as uh, people that stepped up, um, that wasn't Pat Dillingham's fault. No, uh, no. In that game. He, uh, he did the best he could. But that was a great, great win for North Carolina State. And then, of course, if you go through the Brian Kelly years, uh, there were many times that the backup had to step up. And two guys basically got their starting jobs that way, Malik Zaire. And then Malik Zaire gets hurt against Virginia and in 2015. And Deshaun Kaiser comes in and basically takes the job from him with his performance the rest of the 2015 season. Didn't go as well in 2016, wound up getting drafted, but um, those are two that come to mind where they come off the bench and their performance is so good for a prolonged period of time that they become the starters. Yeah, and I think about those two guys in particular in that uh, football used to be a commitment of four years. I'm going to come in as a freshman, I'm going to learn the system, I'm going to work my way in. And those two guys probably would have been better off staying the entire time at Notre Dame. And uh, I don't have any question about Deshaun Kaiser going out early. He was drafted by Cleveland. Um, he got beat up in, in the pros, and uh, he had you know he had a couple of years. He had some coffee and things like that. But uh, I would love to have seen him come back for his uh, senior year. I think that would have been really good. And another name that comes to mind. I know we slipped by this one, but uh, Arnez Battle. Who, oh yeah who wound up being our starting quarterback, and then he broke a bone in his wrist. And uh, he was a tremendous athlete, and uh, you know Nebraska wanted him very badly and uh, because he was a prototypical quarterback of what we see today, the runner and passer, RPO guy. And uh, he broke his wrist, and he wasn't able to play quarterback, but he jumped in there uh, and said, hey, throw me the ball. And he was very effective for us, and then, of course, went on to have a great career in the pros. And uh, speaking of people slipping by, and you can tell how much rehearsal we put into the show, <laughs> Tommy Reese, yes. as a backup to Everett Golson in 2012, I realize some people wish Notre Dame had not played in that national championship game against Alabama, but they don't reach the national championship game if it's not for the play of Reese as a backup, uh, winning the Purdue game and, and coming in in relief and a couple of others when Golson was struggling. Yeah, and, and Golson was one of those guys too that had a he had a toolbox that had a lot of great tools in it, and then he had some that uh, were a little inefficient. But he was a, a quality quarterback. And when uh, when Tommy Reese comes into the ball game, uh, again, do what I ask you to do when I ask you to do it. That type of quarterback. He did have a couple of things that happened in his career at Notre Dame that were questionable. I, I never forget the Tulsa game was a a tough situation, but. Uh, Again, he was a, a guy that, under the pressure of being the starting quarterback at Notre Dame, handled it pretty well. 
Well, and I go back to that Tulsa game and everything else that happened that week with the death of Declan Sullivan. And I, I'm not sure that, yes, Tommy Reese threw a pass that Brian Kelly didn't want him to throw, but I don't know that that team was adequately prepared given the events of that week, nor do I think they could have been. You look at the rest of that season, though, for Tommy Reese, that was a team that was 3-5. and five. He's in there as a freshman. He engineers a win over a Utah team that was ranked number 10. And then Notre Dame goes on a roll, and his next three starts are at Notre Dame Stadium, Yankee Stadium, and the L.A. Coliseum. They sweep them, and they go to the Sun Bowl and hammer Miami, thanks to a great day from Harrison Smith with three interceptions. Absolutely. And, of course, the presence of Mariachi Band. <laughs> You got to love it, Mary. Oh, of yeah. who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, so Tommy Reese has a role as a backup quarterback, and and then if you want to fast forward towards the end of the Kelly years, you take a look at what Ian Book was able to do. Well, remember, Ian Book was a backup quarterback, and he came in and started a game against Wake Forest midway through 2018, and did not relinquish the job. No, and I think you know a lot of times you, know, you look at those quarterbacks we've mentioned here. You know, eight or ten of them that were very similar. You know, Blair Keel type quarterbacks. You're not gonna, you don't want a gunslinger. You don't want somebody. You know, Joe Montana was a little bit of a gunslinger, but right. you you want a guy. Tom Brady goes to the New England Patriots as you know a sixth round pick and winds up a seventh round pick out of Michigan. It winds up being the best quarterback maybe ever because he did what he was asked and told to do. And so uh, these guys all came in and and uh, carried that uh, that mantle for the Irish and uh, did a great job with it. And uh, you know, you, when you mention Ian Book, you know his numbers uh, just jump off the sheet at you. And you say, well, yeah, but he wasn't that big, or he wasn't that. You know, you know what? He showed up every week, did what he's asked to do, and I I honestly thought he might have a a career in the NFL because a lot of coaches want that. They, well, he's still the backup quarterback for the Eagles. I mean. There are right. worse places you could be right now than with a 12-1 and team holding the clipboard for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> not a bad place to be at all. No, not at all. In fact, here, here's a little trivia. This is not Notre Dame trivia, by the way, so it might get cut out of Irish tales, but we'll see. Do you know the NFL quarterback who has made the most amount of money with the fewest number of starts over the last 10 years? Well, I'm sure it's a Notre Dame quarterback. It's not. It's not. It's not. Oh, okay. Because I know Terry Hanratty did a lot of that. Well, he did. Steve Berline did a lot of that. Yes, he did. And uh, Rick Meyer did Rick a lot Meyer of that. Rick Meyer did a lot of that. Uh, most, uh, yeah. It's Chase Daniel. Oh, really? He's had, I think, four starts in the last 10 years, and he's made somewhere around $41 million. Wow. So we can cancel the telethon. Well, you know, and every time somebody, uh, a team loses a quarterback or something, he almost his name almost pops up. Yeah. You know? Like there's a guy with a lot of experience. He does have a lot of experience. Clip, Not much of it's in the game. That clipboard has never hit the ground. But you never know when the backup quarterback is going to come in, so we'll see whether it's Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli, who does it for the Irish in the Gator Bowl on December 30th. But that's going to do it for this half hour of Irish Tales. We're glad we could spend it with you. Hopefully you're still glad you spent it with us. For the tale master himself, Bob Nagel, Chuck Freeby, thanks for joining us on this edition of Irish Tales. Sports Jack presents Irish Tales with Chuck Freebie and Bob Nagel 
Stories from the land of the Fighting Irish on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.